Welcome to the Train Right Podcast, presented by CTS, a podcast about furthering human performance in endurance sports. Former pro cyclist, Olympian coach, and visionary entrepreneur, Chris Carmichael, founded CTS 20 years ago as the first world-class online coaching solution built to deliver results to pro and amateur athletes. Chris and his team of 50-plus certified coaches are completely driven by innovation and catalyzing new levels of success for thousands of athletes they coach daily. Whether you're a pro or a dedicated, time-crunched amateur, you're about to learn exactly what's working best today and what's not to get faster, stronger, and achieve your goals from the most experienced team of coaches working in endurance today. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by Stages Cycling, the industry leader in accurate, reliable, and proven power meters and training devices. Stages Cycling offers the widest range of power meter makes and models to fit any bike, any drivetrain, and any rider, all manufactured in their Boulder, Colorado facility. They've expanded their offerings to include the Stages Dashline of innovative and intuitive GPS cycling computers covering the full range of training and workout-specific features to make your workouts go as smooth as possible. And for 2020, Stages is applying its decade of indoor cycling studio expertise to the new Stages Bike Smart Trainer. Check out their latest at stagescycling.com and use the coupon code CTS20OFF, all caps, at checkout for 20% off. Can we start by assuming the goal of every athlete should be to have good sleep habits, solid nutrition, and hydration patterns before we start implementing some of these higher level things that we're going to talk about today, Rick? Well, certainly, um, Adam, but the question I, I throw to you and to listeners is what does that mean, right? We make broad-based statements of eat well, what does that mean for you? Sleep well, what does that mean for you? So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to dive into understanding what's most important for you and me and Adam. Um, <laughs> well, right. well, touche, touche to that. Yeah. I, I, will, I will give you that. But I, I guess before we get into the, the real uh, nitty gritty and juicy tidbits, can, can you tell our audience a bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a physician and currently um, an educator. Um, also have a, a brand of products called Pure Clean Performance, which I am the formulator on. Um, my background is, you know, it comes from engineering. Um, so as a biomedical engineer, I was also a, I didn't really, I was a athlete in a variety of different ways, currently just more functionally staying fit and healthy. I actually competed in the sport of luge in, in the World Cup when I was younger. Um, family's been really always very athlete, my, um, athletic. My son was a college baseball player. My, my daughter was a runner. My wife was a national ranked tr- master's triathlete. So health and performance has always been, you know, part of our lives as I'm sure yeah, it is for like- everyone else, everyone else's. So, um, you know, my goal, you know, I've always had a passion for health and, you know, when I had a full-time practice up until I developed a nutritional product that 
sold quite well. and <laughs> I could switch my, my gears into being more of a broad-based educator. Um, you know, it's that passion for health and that's, you know, still stays with me. And I think, you know, from a background is, you know, I try and provide practical, useful information for people. Seem to have a knack for sort of gathering information and and providing it in a way that hopefully is something you can do today. And you know, we, we all can study really deeply into the science of things, and which is awesome. Um, but a lot of times, you know, that's just hard science. And what are you going to do with it? So someone needs to do that, and then someone needs to take that information and make it practical for each person. And that's sort of where I see myself now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great little description, but you know, I'd say, you know, nutrition, hydration, it's a huge topic. And I think we can all agree about that. It's can be a Pandora's box too, but you know, luckily we do have <laughs> medical doctor here to talk about, <laughs> um, to talk about some of these things in deep detail. So, um, I first like to always start with performance, performance implications, and knowing how and why some of these things work. So uh, let's dive right into that, first of all. And I'd say from the supplementary standpoint of the things out there that actually work to improve performance, Rick, Mm -hmm. what are those things? What's like the number one thing that you'd start with? Well, uh, I will be... um... (laughs) I'll be biased and we, we can go right into beets because, um, you know, it, 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 it's a, well, while everyone's needs different, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we have, you know, we're not dealing with more 20 year olds. We're dealing with 40 and plus and, and one of the things we've got everybody. I, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it, 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 it's for everyone, but you know, sort of a product that sort of I got involved in as um, sort of part of a, a broader based nutritional company that I had founded um, was this organic beet juice powder. And, you know, it was just part of what we were offering. It was a comprehensive whole food supplement. Um, it was whole food based powder. It was amino acids, some um, vitamin D and K. And a lot of what we were doing was assessing athletes, you know, actually using physiological assessments while they physically felt well, these physiological assessments actually showed that there were lots of holes in, you know, their their key foundation foundational nutritional needs. And by sort of creating a comprehensive plan for them, we were able to see dramatic results. It took some effort um, for people to do that. You know, they had to take six or seven different things they needed to retest. But when they did that, they did really, really well. One of the products we had was this organic beet juice powder and just to sort of tell the backstory is i had an opportunity to really dive deep into beet juice and nitric oxide at the time because the company that made this really unique beet juice powder decided to go out of business right and and i love this product i love the way they they sourced it i love that they um tested each batch and they wouldn't release a batch of product that wasn't um, tested for the actual nitrate content of the beets. And the third thing, which was really cool, was they used this um, light refractory drying technique, which there's only like five in the country. It actually uses 
super low temperatures. So when they dried this, the beet juice, this frozen concentrate, you know, it's called bricks, you know, sort of the, the particular concentrate amount, it was a crystalline powder as opposed to if you look at powders that you get or a lot of times freeze-dried or even um, less expensively spray-dried, they are really light and fluffy, and that's mm -hmm. more damaging to the product. So this organic, deep, rich beet juice powder was just quite cool and it had a natural sweetness. So, that's so what, do you mean, what do you mean damaging to the product? Like, why does that even matter? Well, the, it's the heat. So, you know, Got they're it. actually, okay. so, you know, We'll use, when things get heated at times, you can change some of the structure and nutritional content. And there, there's some data on that as well. Um, the nitrates I, um, don't change, which are sort of the active nutrient or molecule that we need to create nitric oxide, but some of the other nutritional components of beet juice powder, you know, whether they're betalanes as antioxidants or betaines, become diminished. And particularly the betalanes, which are sort of anti-inflammatory in nature. And mm -hmm. these betalanes um, are responsible for that deep red color, right? So anyone's mm -hmm. had, anyone's had beets and, you know, initially and they go, whoa, and it doesn't happen all the time, but you'll definitely see your, your poop get red or sometimes even your, your pee gets a little red. And mm -hmm. that's a genetic, the, the poop issue is pretty much everyone, but that's the betalanes coming through. It's a, that dark red color and you know in nature anything with a deep color is those polyphenols phytochemicals that have a protective nature to the plant right and that's why the plants develop these antioxidant chemicals to protect them from being eaten um, as opposed to fruits which are sweet which are wanting to be eaten right so there's a, that's a, we can go down a rabbit hole of this. Yeah, there were certain yeah. rabbit hole there, but. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But the phyto, phytochemicals, important things there is they have a double-edged sword with regard to those. So, so that's, so that's where we got into beets and really understanding some of the science behind beet nutrition and the science of nitric oxide. And, and how does that deliver performance though? What's, what is, what is kind of the mechanistic process of dietary nitrate to nitric oxide in the body? Got it. Okay. So, so this is really important. You know, it's sort of this key feature of nitrates, um, come are fixated by plants from nitrogen in the air. Okay. So then we eat these plants and certain plants are higher or have more bioavailability of these nitrates in their substrate. Beets are one of the highest ones. So we eat the nitrates. They're actually taken into our mouth and they're either digested and we absorb them through our GI tract into our bloodstream where they're converted in the GI from nitrates to nitrite. The nitrates are best converted though in the mouth. So the oral bacteria, actually healthy oral bacteria start that process of converting nitrates to nitrites the nitrates then get converted in the body to nitric oxide. And it happens in a variety of different tissues. The predominant tissue is the interior lining of the arteries. It's called the endothelium. And there's an enzyme called ENOS, endothelium nitric oxide synthetase, right? That creates this. And, you know, for mm -hmm. a number of, for not too long ago, I don't know exactly, you know, when we understood 
that um, there was other pathways was we thought that was the predominant way to produce nitric oxide. So getting back to your question, nitric oxide then increases blood flow and blood flow increases tissue oxygenation. Nitric oxide is a gas that is only around for a few seconds. It's a really potent cell communication um, device, um, signaler, well, a better word for it. Now, from relating it to what we know, you know, you don't, you don't see it very much, but, you know, certainly 30 years ago, you know, people with cardiovascular disease, what they walk around with in their pockets? You know, we, we all probably had a grandparent or maybe a father if we're a little bit older, you know, who might have had cardiovascular disease and nitro had nitro tablets, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I don't see that. Maybe our medicines are better and um, per se, but nitro, well, nitroglycerin, literally nitroglycerin, right? Yeah. yeah. Nitroglycerin stimulates super rapidly the formation of nitric oxide. What does that do? open up the blood vessels of the heart, open up the blood vessels of the lung, open up the blood vessels in the penis, and guess what? More blood flow, no chest pain. <laughs> That's how that yeah. works, right? Yeah. Pretty simply. So more blood flow equals more oxygen to the working muscles, therefore go faster, do more, go harder kind of thing. Correct. More blood flow to the muscles, more blood flow to the mitochondria, more oxygenation to the mitochondria where energy is produced, more ATP, go faster, go longer. You got it. Now, yeah. the, the part, two, two things. So as we get older, the, in the lining of the vessels doesn't bec becomes less efficient. Now, it becomes less efficient due to time, or we'll call it age. Um, and that age could be a whole many different factors, right? Actually, the process of aging or the process of how you're living your life so that it, it isn't as efficient and it could be 50% reduced and or disease, right? So if that progresses and someone has some, some disease in that lining, they can't produce as much nitric oxide. So that's where, you know, with regard to the penis, that's where Viagra accidentally was discovered, where Viagra blocks the enzyme that breaks down nitric oxide so it hangs around longer. And that's the key. So the benefit of Viagra is it hangs around longer. They were actually trying to create a cardiovascular drug. Like that's where, and it, they couldn't get it to work in the heart, but it worked elsewhere. <laughs> and lo and behold, a, a multi-billion dollar yeah. industry was created. And, you know, Viagra only came, it was, it was 15, uh, 18 years old. So it was early yeah. 2000s that it really started to come in and we paid attention to testosterone. Now, so, yeah, that's, so here, that's crazy. I, I didn't think that we we're going to be talking about penises and poop on the podcast today, but this, it's actually good, good background yeah, yeah. information. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, 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 so here, here's, Back to here's performance. Here we go. Play, yeah. So for performance, so you, you know, as a coach and you know, anyone who's gotten older knows it just can't do what they did when they were younger. Um, even from an oxygenation, you know, a lot of people can continue, but there's definitely a decline over time. And certainly a, a bunch of factors, you know, play a role with that age, disease, nutrition, testosterone, and so forth. But a huge factor is we don't produce as much nitric oxide. And if you can't produce enough nitric oxide in the vessels, you're just not going to deliver oxygen in the same way that you do when you were younger. Another way to think about nitric oxide is people who live at high elevation, 
or train at high elevation, one of the benefits is you start producing more nitric oxide because you need to be able to utilize less oxygen. So the more efficient you're using oxygen, the better you're going to perform. Now, we didn't have a good way of doing increasing nitric oxide in the interior endothelium of the lining. People were using arginine and citrulline and, and they helped. But the problem is they could go down a whole variety of different pathways. You take arginine, citrulline is better. It could be utilized any number of different ways. So it's like, you know, it's like um, taking a funnel and, you know, or having some type of funnel was not just a single funnel, it'd be 10 different things and you have to pour water in it. And it's not just going down the one you want. It's going mm -hmm. in all different directions. Right. Some of those other pathways may not go to places you want them to go. So it's not like you could just take more. So the understanding, here's the, here's the cool thing, the understanding that these dietary nitrates are a workaround. So if you up your dietary nitrates, you can start producing more nitric oxide to make up for what you're lacking in your interior linings as you get older. And even if you're younger and fit by taking more, right, you can, and this is sort of a more recent study with beet nitrates, is, you know, they took high level trained athletes and they had them take, you know, 50 to 75% more nitrates and they showed improvement in performance where initially the thought was, oh, nitrates are going to only work for people who are less fit or less trained. And that's true. Like anything we do, right? Anything we do, you start up, you're going to see huge benefits. If you're really deficient, you're going to see huge benefits. And then that last extra push is, is always quite harder. Now, the problem with dietary nitrates is it's hard to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. well, let me let me rephrase that. You can get dietary nitrates in beets and arugula, and and you can get some of the other polyphenols that work with it, dark cocoa and pomegranate that help the the body utilize it. But to get enough to overcome that deficit in foods is really really hard. You know, to get five hundred milligrams of dietary nitrates, you're eating four to four beets a day, right? You're eating if that, right? Depending on the actual nitrate in the beet. And that's where the advent of using these selected variety of beets that are processed and tested for nitrate content and then concentrated out. So you're getting, you know, a large dose of these nitrates in a small, <laughs> a small, quick substrate makes a big difference. And that's yeah, how yeah. you can sort of, that's how you overcome this this dietary or dietary roadblock and the age challenge that we have to deal with. And I wanted I want to get into that because I, I think that is it's important for the listeners to hear how things are concentrated in a way to get enough dosage. But before we do that, would you say all ages and all athletes would benefit from a dietary nitrate supplement or food product? Yes. Yeah. All, all athletes, certainly the older athlete and the ones that are sort of moderately trained are going to see the bigger benefits as opposed to the younger, higher level athlete. But not to say that that younger, higher level athlete won't, they just are going to need to take more to sort of push themselves up to another level because they're already at a high level yep. already. And that's, yep. you know, the engine is working pretty well. So we, we have, we have more, 
room for error when we're younger. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, but, you know, with that being said, I mean, with many of my athletes, once we get a lot of these things right in place with training, body composition, and all this kind of stuff, um, I, I'm a big proponent. I'm a big fan of uh, uh, beetroot product. And I've always been a fan of uh, your product uh, specifically because it actually works. It, like it actually, you can see it, you can see elevated power with uh same or mildly um mildly suppressed heart rate not suppressed in a bad way but lower heart rate higher power and and so let's talk about that right now because the way you concentrate the products or where you're getting this nitrate from it's actually pretty important so how do you do it yeah so that that is the most important thing when you're looking for we're talking beets right now a beet beetroot juice right so that's the first thing you need to look for it needs to be a beetroot juice because if you just take beetroots and pulverize them up and put them into a capsule or powder you know you're getting all the fiber and other components to it which isn't bad it's just a general nutritional supplement but you're not concentrating for the nitrates and that's an important thing so the way you need to do that is you need to take the beetroot you need to juice it first you need to actually test the variety there are particular varieties of beetroots that have higher nitrates than others. And this really, maybe only until three, four years ago, was random because they weren't growing it for until the beetroot market sort of started to expand. You know, as you would just randomly test for, for what the farmers brought in. And if you found one, right, if you found a good one, you'd grab it really quickly. And, you know, the range can be two and a half times. Like most commercial beets are 1% nitrate. And that's about 100 milligrams um, per 10 grams of product. The good, when you can get them now, they're up to two and a half to 3%. But it's still hard to get because not everyone's growing it. So you need to test the beets. You need to juice them. And then you need to dehydrate them. And that is a, a more laborious process as opposed to, you know, a where you don't test them, where you just use the beetroot itself. And I think the market for, you know, is, is better where most products now are beetroot juice, but most companies are not testing um, the actual beetroot juice concentrate for nitrates. And, you know, but you I, are. At pure we are. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Correct, right? Even most, a lot of the manufacturers don't, um, which is, yeah, I, I, I think it's one of those we don't want to know. <laughs> so if you're not going to ask, we're not going to tell. And yeah, not that you're yeah. getting a, a harmful, or in, but it's just not a product that's going to give you the same bang, you know, for, I guess, your buck or time. So that's yeah. important. So, so that, you know, the other thing, there's a process of fermenting. They have a fermented fermentation process where you can actually take the ferment fermentation of these beets, you know, it's a multi-step process and they actually re-add beet extract back into it. And they, there's a way to get the beet nitrate content up to over 5%. The problem with that is the good thing is you're getting a super concentrated nitrate. The negative is it doesn't mix well as itself in as a powder, it, it's not that deep red, dark, um, crystalline organic beet juice, but you are getting more nitrates. And the other benefit to that of the powder is it, it's really mild in flavor. So, you know, for us, 
we have the 100% beet juice, which has all the betalines and the dark reds, and it's about two and a half to three percent nitrates. I think the last batch was a little over three percent. Where the beetums and beta brew use more of the fermented beet juice powder, which I don't we don't need to put as much, and it just blends right into the ingredients really really nicely. So you're getting more of the nitrate kick with that, but you're losing out on some of the the betalines. So those products you just mentioned, those are some of the products at Pure Clean Performance, Beatums, Unbeatable Brew. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But yeah, you you design everything specifically with like the right amount of, of dietary nitrate per serving in your products already, like whether it's a scoop or a bite or a whatever, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. So we don't yeah. have to, like our audience members who are worried about getting in the milligram specificity, basically you take a dose of what you're serving and they got it. Yeah. In a, in a perfect, in a perfect, well, yes and no. So I think in a perfect world, you know, so what I did, and I certainly don't mean to promote <laughs> our, our products, but just sort of share. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah just that. share, share where we were thinking and sort of the logic to give you a better understanding of sort of the beat picture. Right. So you have the beet juice, which is great, and it's the more nutritionally rounded one. Then you have the beetums, which are activated. The cool thing about beetums is they taste good, and you can carry them with you, and they're activated in the mouth. So they sit there in your mouth, and you have more time for the oral bacteria to activate them. So they're, they're a little bit lower nitrates per serving, but they may, you know, and it's all individual and everyone's individual needs, but um, effectively, they're a little bit stronger. Um, the you know the other two products, the Embiter Brew is more of a is a blend that actually has higher nitrates per serving than the than the Pure Clean powder. So, you know, in a perfect world, you know, I think people would do like one of each, you know, or do half of a scoop of the Pure Clean powder and some beetums or you know beetums are just sort of <laughs> are thrown at any time, but. Um, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, if that makes sense. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're sort of a serving. If someone's really trying to push, I would say choose two a day of something. One, of, even in a perfect world, and one of something twice. Man, let me re- take that back. Two different products taken once a day because you're going to get different actions based on how they were um, formulated. Yep, got it. Got it. And we'll talk, excuse me, we'll talk about a few of those products here in just a second, but let me, let me get one, um, one drink of water here as I absolutely had a hard ride today using my, my beatums and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, excuse me. So that's one of the things. So let's actually go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to actually one thing about dietary nitrate. So you mentioned the, um, bacteria in the mouth. So right. if you kill that bacteria, are you killing the dietary nitrate? And what are some applications there, practical applications? Correct. I mean, you're definitely lessening the activity of the nitrates. And there's been studies with regard to using antibacterial mouthwashes, such as Listerine, that actually show increase in blood pressure, right? It's like, what? Well, you know, the antibacterial, whatever dietary nitrates you're, you're using are not going to be or eating are not going to be as effective. And we actually see subtle changes in blood pressure. And they, you also see that with um, antacids and acids, since you need, you need 
a particular amount of acid to actually convert that, those nitrates to nitrite, if you're blocking those acids, then again, you have an issue with um, blood pressure. And those are, those are in the scientific literature. Not so huge if you're, differences, it, but, but there's definitely a significant difference. So if you're brushing your teeth using mouthwash or antacids after you take dietary nitrate supplements, that's not a good thing. That's what that you're saying. Be, yeah, that, that wouldn't be a good thing. And if you want the effects of dietary nitrates per, for, for performance, you definitely want to stop the antibacterial mouthwashes because they're just going to keep that natural bacteria. There's a trade-off. We need healthy bacteria in our mouth. Just find another way to have a fresher breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and hopefully we don't need fresh breath necessarily to ride bikes. So I guess for, yeah, for yeah. all the listeners out there, I brush my teeth in the morning, take some, uh, take some beetroot powder in a smoothie in the morning, train, come back, brush my teeth then if I want or brush my teeth later on in the day. So yeah, no, no need to worry about that. But I did want to mention that because a lot of athletes who are taking dietary nitrate, they don't understand that and no. the antacids, for example. So I wanted right. to mention that. Um, no. So speaking of things that increase blood flow, um, you also mentioned the um, unbeatable brew. So that's a, it's a caffeine uh, cordycep dietary nitrate thing, but let's talk about caffeine. <laughs> yeah, why yeah, does yeah. that work? And how do you, how do you include it into your uh, products? Okay. Yeah. So caffeine, obviously um, caffeine people have used it. They notice the effect we know, we notice and we know, especially for people who aren't sensitive, that increases mental focus, you know, increases reaction time. And that's really important for any athletic performance. The other thing that caffeine you know, does is stimulate um, energy utilization, oxidations of fat. So that, that's the other benefit of caffeine. Now, it, Chris Kresser wrote an article, and I can send that to you. It's like, and let me find, it's like, here it is. It's, it's great. Coffee is good for you unless it's not, right? So uh, everyone is different. And, you know, so I'll preface caffeine is good for you. Unless it's not, right? We hear studies. Okay, drink fair like, enough. We, fair enough. We drink drink lots of coffee. It's good for health. People who drink more coffee have better heart disease risks and blah blah blah. So, and these are epidemiological studies which are useful, but you know a lot of flawed because they're not looking at you. They're looking at large groups of population, and maybe for half of that group it's awesome. For a quarter it's eh, and for a quarter it's bad. Well, where do you lie within that realm? Well, the same thing for caffeine. You know, it, it depends so much on, you know, what your genetics are. Um, you know, are you a fast oxidizer? That means you drink caffeine. You could drink caffeine at 11 o'clock at night and you can go right to bed, right? Or someone else is they're going to be up for three days. Depends on their particular genetics. There's, and you could test for that. Um, also depends on their lifestyle, right? You know, that's, if you're a smoker, here's like, why, why do cigarettes and smoking go together? You can keep drinking a ton of coffee. Well, turns out cigarette smoking slows down the ability to detoxify things. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> Another shocker, risk. real shocker. shocker, right? So you could yeah. drink more coffee because it, it, it's, it, it, it's affecting, I think I said that backwards, it actually enhances it, but 
it's sort of more complicated than that, but it's breaking down the caffeine more rapidly. And so how do you, how do you know, how do you know if you're a uh, fast metabolizer of caffeine or not? Like, how do you figure that one out? Right. So how do you figure that out? Um, you could do genetic testing. I mean, that's to truly know, um, you could figure that out, like just by what your response is. Right. So if you're, if you're someone who has coffee and it, and it causes you to have, you know, it's not necessarily even the anxiety because you could metabolize it reasonably well, but some people also have another genetic, um, we'll call them SNP, they're called, um, that blocks this adenosine receptor in the brain. And when that happens, you're more stimulated by the coffee and you get more anxious. So there's, there's variables. And I'll throw in the other variable, if you drink citrus juice, that actually blocks the liver and you have more exposure. So you have this combination of genetics, combination of lifestyle, when you're having it, what foods you're having it, and so forth. So it can become quite complicated. Um, but so like my recommendations for let's, let's simplify this out for you. It's certainly you can test for it and you can determine if you are a fast or slow oxidizer. And I'll give you a perfect story for me. I'm not really a coffee drinker. I'm not someone who needs caffeine to, to wake up and get going. It's just something I've never done. But when we developed on beta brew, I really liked it. I don't love coffee, but you know, a latte or there's some beta brew with some oat milk or, or, you know, some coconut milk was pretty good. So I started drinking every day and I liked my performance. And then about two, three weeks later, I started noticing like I got a little sweaty <laughs> afterwards and like, you know, I was just like racing a little bit and, and happenstancely, I'd just done a genetic test and it came back. I was a slow metabolizer. So it took me, you know, who someone who detoxifies pretty well in general, but it took me a couple weeks of regular use to go, okay, everyday caffeinated coffee is just not something I, I need or should do. But so for, for in my case, I just use it periodically. We actually have a decaffeinated version, but the caffeinated version, I'll use it when I need it or when I want that extra boost. And, you know, I feel a bigger bump and that's for someone else. It's like, you know, the, the more you drink coffee, the more you have caffeine on a regular basis, the the more your body utilizes it and breaks it down so you get less of an effect so from an athlete's point of view is sort of figuring out what your needs are maybe one cup a day is just fine and you metabolize it quickly and you have it in the morning or you have it just before training and you're great and you're good to go um, but someone else one or two cups every day is way too much so they may be just fine using it before a hard workout or before a race you know, as long as it doesn't yeah. overstimulate them. Yeah. My, my go-to has always been, you know, tr tried in training first. And then if it, you know, if it works positively, we, we will use it in the race. But if it is, if it, you know, increases anxiety, if it increases, um, heart rate, uh, exponentially meaning, you know, that the ventilation is just out of control and you feel like your chest is about to <laughs> explode, either lower the dosage or, or just don't do it at all. So I think, you know, the takeaway here is caffeine, it's well proven to increase athletic performance, but if it is bringing adverse effects, uh, don't use it. And right, and find I, yeah. And I even go even further than that is like, don't wait until it, it, it causes like clear apparent you know negative effect you can get a clue like you're using i have an aura ring right 
and sort of, we, I know we're going to chat maybe a little bit about COVID and immunity. They're using aura rings now to, to sort of pick up people with increase in body temperature, increase in heart rate, increase in respiratory rate, um, heart rate variability. So whether it's just taking your blood pressure or heart rate variability, you know, sort of get a sense of what that caffeine does to you. And it may be really subtle. It may be like for me, my blood pressure just went up five to 10 points. And I would have never noticed that. But after two to three weeks of it, your body picks picks up on it. So some of these subtle cues that we may not, you know, physically notice are definitely having a physiological effect. So um, some type of tracking, we can probably talk more about that if we have time, is really critical. Yeah, well... You know, that, and that, that is good. And, and um, you know, we're spending a lot of time on performance and we only have a short amount of time, but that's actually a pretty decent segue to start talking about general health and wellness. And I, I guess I want to ask you, what is your approach to general health and wellness? Like, where's what's your philosophy? Um, I, I think, you know, I sort of shared before is, is know yourself, you know, sort of dig in and understand that there's not one one method, one diet, one one way that is going to be best for everyone. We're all different. So you have to have to know your body and you have to listen to your body. You know, we're we're so out of touch a lot of times and athletes are better. That's why I like working with athletes. Um, you know, I used to tell a story of a diabetic who came into my office and was in a wheelchair, he just had his toe cut off and he was on five different medications. And I said, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing awesome. I'm like, <laughs> I'm shaking my head. It's like, what do you mean? Doing it? Well, doc added a new blood pressure medicine onto my protocol and it's good. He says it's good now. I'm great. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Right. And then literally the next person who came in was, you know, high level athlete. And they just had this one issue with, I forget. It was like, their knee <laughs> it was it was bother them when they went up high levels and in intensity and it, it was just driving them crazy right so so everyone's perception of 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 what's important obviously the athlete was much more in tune and we sometimes can get overly in tune with our with our body so know your body and the the second thing that to know is humans are super super adaptable you know, one of our blessings and curses is you can eat a carnivore diet or you could be vegan. Right? Go yeah. And I know people have gone it's both true. ways, right? And, yeah. oh, I did great on a vegan diet until they didn't. Or I did really good in that carnivore diet until they didn't. So, um, you know, sometimes nutrition becomes a religion and not to say, you know, I can weigh in on what might be better for the majority of people, but everyone's unique. So listening and having some way to track and understand what's best for you. And that's, that's important. And I'd say the third thing is, you know, I'll, I'll say to you, don't put crap into your body. Right? It's like, you know, oh. with, with whatever we do, it's like, you know, toxins, get toxins out of your body. Um, you know, that could be toxic foods, toxic emotions, toxic environment, toxic, you know, personal care products, because that's a given, right? It, it's we, we do um, urinary toxin tests on people to look at metals and chemicals and 
more and more these days, I didn't see it as frequently, but you know, in the past few years, it's like the people who have levels of certain chemicals in their system that are way over 99 percentile are very, very frequent. It's, it's, it oh, freaks me yeah. out actually, you know, how much yeah. of a problem and we, we don't look at it. So, you know, from that level, um, you know, it's really important because everything you do, you know, is going to be affected if you know, your body's clogged in some way. Yeah, no, I, I, really, I love those three points, by the way, I, cu I couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, that's, that's what muddies the water a little bit is that, us human beings, we as human beings are very adaptable and that's a good thing. But that means that we'll try to adapt around a bad stress if the, there's a bad stressor there. But, you know, kind of a simplistic way is, you know, put good in, get good out, put bad in, mm -hmm. get bad out. And when I was, I was searching for some, some questions before this, um, as it was kind of uh, drafting up some questions uh, for this podcast and oftentimes health and wellness were, um, somewhat defined medically as absence of disease. Like mm -hmm. if, if you're absent of disease, then you must be healthy. And I did, I'm not a believer in that. You know, I, I baseline is not the goal. It has to go above and beyond. And that's kind of what you're talking about there. Like it, you need it, like a holistic wellness, mind, body, and kind of that output of what you want your body to, to do and perform. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And just because, You've gone to your doctor, you know, and he says, everything's great. And I was like, well, you, what does that mean? <laughs> well, it means, you, you know, as much as I'm looking, you don't have an outright disease that's going to need a new medication today. Come back when you're sick, basically. You know, and, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> I apologize for being too, but it, it sort of is because we only have the amount of, you know, traditional world only has a certain amount of time to to dig deep into each person. It's It is complicated. It does take time and effort. And a lot of people just aren't interested in digging that deep to try and understand what they can do to optimize their health and performance. You know, I, I take personally, you know, a longer approach and I'm saying, okay, wh what are we trying to treat? And well, we're trying to treat death. Right. And yeah, yeah. So we're going to win. Sure. I don't, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. We're trying to treat aging. Aging is the disease. And that's that's going on every moment, every second, every minute. Our body's getting older, and it affects us. And the old paradigm is we can't do anything about that. Well, the new paradigm, which there's many millions and millions of dollars being invested in, is yes, we can. And in fact, the disease of aging is what causes immune senescence. You know, aka more more susceptibility to viruses and and what causes cancer and what causes heart disease. And, you know, so what's going on genetically and what, what can we do with our lifestyle and nutrient protocols and, you know, whatever it might be that's coming up next to sort of address that as a primary issue. Because the more you're sort of chipping away or, <laughs> or I, I envision holding back, right, that process, the stronger your body is going to be in the meantime. So, you know, trying to take a, a offensive approach, you know, we tend to be, you know, <laughs> we tend to be really defensive in mm -hmm. Western medicine. So we're going to take an offensive approach and attack, you know, what we know the big, the big issue is. And are you going to win that battle? Not today. Could we win it in 30 years? 
who knows, right? Or could we could we hold that off for 20, 30, 40 years in 20 years? Very possibly. So how do we do that? And that that's the question I ask myself all the time. And, you know, for people who are interested, it's like, how do we do that? And what do we know today, you know, so that we can make changes? So every day, at least we're trying to do something a little bit better for ourselves. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And, and I, you know, a point blank question for you is, for our listeners, what would you recommend for them to increase their awareness? Like, how can they increase their awareness of putting vitality into their lives? Hmm. I mean, sure, you can do genetic, you can do genetic tests, you can get some data points and all this kind of stuff. But like, just kind of a straight up and and I know I'm going off script here, but like, it's just kind of like, you know, shining to me is like, how can we bring that awareness to athletes? I do it through data in, in training. Like there's a training stimulus and all this kind of stuff. Okay. But as a, as a kind of a medical doctor and from the kind of supplementary standpoint, how would you recommend okay. yeah, yeah. awareness okay. to, to the yeah. athletes? So, so obviously the first and most important thing is how do I feel today? Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, no, for yeah, sure. Let, let, let's just, let's, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, I have to do this. I have to train this way. I have to, it's like, no. Right. Um, listen to your body. And, and yes, you know, I'm sure you'd say as a coach, there's places for overreaching, you know, and pushing a little bit past fatigue so you can re- recover. But from, you know, the broader standpoint is how am I feeling today? Should I push hard or should I just chill out and take a long walk or should I, you know, get in a sauna or maybe I need to go to bed a little earlier because something's just not right. And I'll just give you a, a simple example. And for me, it's like two days ago, I did a strength workout and I do these slow, slow two minute, um, 20, 20 seconds up and down of particular weights. And the whole workout was really good. And I got to the last one, which is curls, which are really painful <laughs> to go two minutes, um, you know, really slow. And, and everything was, was good on that last set of that last one. I couldn't do the third rep. I'm like, what the heck? Like, and, you know, cause I had been, it's a sticking point, that third one, but I had been, the last two times I broke through and I go, that's weird. And I sort of put it off to my shirt and then I went, I do a sauna afterwards and I went into, I, I'll do a quick cold shower and like, it was really cold. I'm like, okay, something's off. Right. It was like, it didn't feel right. And I noticed yesterday and today a little bit like allergies have kicked in and I'm a little bit scratching my throat. I was like, Oh, okay. I get it. Right. So, so just that really, and, and I'll take a metric even the night before I, my sleep metric, my deep sleep was down. So, so there I, I sort of combined paying attention to why, why didn't I finish that little rep where I've been doing it and the water was a little colder and it really wanted to do the cold hormesis and my sleep was off. So something's brewing. And then yesterday, boom, I'm scratchy. And this morning I sneezed a bunch. And so there it was, right? I don't think I have Corona, but something was coming in. (laughs) So, 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 you know, how do you do that is pay attention to your body and use some type of metrics, you know, and there's a variety of different metrics that I love, whether it's an aura ring or some sleep metrics, the ones that we, we do some longevity protocols and there's some powerful ones like heart rate. Temperature reaction time is actually really key. Heart rate variability, I like. 
because it gives us some long range data. And, you know, there's people who will say, oh, it's great. People don't like it, don't like to use it. It's very useful. Um, it just doesn't tell us everything. It's sort of putting these different metrics together. But there's a particular device called BrainGage. And what it does is it measures cognitive ability, reaction time, and fatigue, like cognitive fatigue. And that's something we can relate to. You know, so you wake up that next morning and you're a little bit off. You take your reaction times down 10% and your decision-making time is not quite as quick. Well, guess what? Something's off, right? And it's a quick little test. And it's meaningful because if your reaction time is off, you know, uh, maybe not as important for, you know, an endurance rider <laughs> unless a car is going to come at them. But there's a sign of fatigue in your body and pay attention to that. So, so is this is this pre or post coffee in the morning that you're using brain gauge? <laughs> baseline. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it's sort of uh, looking at heart rate variability um, or some brain gauge in the morning. Um, you know, these are going to be important metrics to sort of say, listing how am I feeling and putting this together with your goals so you can then determine what to do, you know, from a bigger picture, like labs are great, but you certainly can't use labs on a regular daily basis, you know, from, you know, from a testing perspective, there's two, I mean, there's a lot, but there's, there's two that I, I really like is sort of a, a comprehensive serum chemistry, you know, a full comprehensive, not just, you know, just, we're going to check your lipids, but looking at certain metabolic markers, hormonal markers, um, glucose, metabolism, and then running those through, there's some computer algorithms now, we're actually, we'll look at all this data and say, aha, right? You know, this is the patterns that we're seeing that, you know, my human eyes would not pick up. And it might say, hey, we're seeing a deficiency in magnesium, or this is linked to this pituitary axis imbalance. And and that's really helpful, you know, to sort of, it's not the, I, I like to use the ship analogy. Okay, you're going to sail from, you know, New York to London. You know where you're sailing, where you want to get. But, you know, that's your long range plan where you're going to do bigger um, direction changes. But it's that day to day, obviously, what's the wind doing today? You know, what are the waves? Um, do I have to deal with the storm? They have to go around. And that's, that's the metrics and how I, how I feel. And then the other, yeah. the other, te the other test I really like is everyone at some point, certainly genetics, but even like looking at chemical and metal burden, because I just see that as <laughs> you just don't want to miss it. And it's like, you, if it's something in your system, you could get it out. And, you know, why live with high levels of thallium? Because they're using fracking water to spray kale in California with unorganic vegetables without telling you, or you're a swimmer. And you're, you know, the way they're ozonating the water is you're exposed to perchlorates, which will affect your thyroid or, right. You know, I could go on with like stuff that. Holy right, crap. right, right. But yeah. You're yeah. Just and that's some, yeah, that's some scary stuff. And I, I would say, I mean, if, if people are recognizing some adverse things, you know, within their training or themselves or their awareness, I mean, you, you go get, you go to a medical expert, whether it's yourself or local doctor. But I think to kind of bring the message back home is like bringing that awareness requires, uh, 
like a, a stimulus, like you're, you're training or you're testing or you're doing something. And then you evaluate on that and you record it, whether it's, you know, pen and paper or, um, an online database of some kind, but a, you know, perceived effort, uh, of qualitative, quantitative using training peaks, for example, there's plenty of metrics in there, um, using wearables and in kind of sleep monitors as well to, to start monitoring a lot of these aspects that can make you feel certain ways. And I, and I always say, make that number, take that number and make a feel to it, bridge it to the feeling. And I think exactly. that's, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. And you said it earlier with regard to like, you know, let's go back to, you know, my wife is like, will not get in her bike without a power meter. This was like, it's just to her to ride without a power meter is like, a yeah, she's seen the light, man. She's seen the light. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a wasted ride because, you know, <laughs> So, and, and the beat nitrates, and I just, I didn't have a chance to follow up. It's like, totally, you know, you'll see power maintain the same and less per lesser heart rate. And the other thing that's sort of cool is, is you'll see um, quicker recovery, you know? So like when you're doing intense protocols or intense, you know, um, intervals like to me, you know, I don't know from a coaching perspective is like, I like to see how quick people recover. To me, that that's a sign of a, a strong cardiovascular system. It's not how hard you can push your heart rate up. You know, so if you're doing a one minute really hard, how soon can you get back to 80% of that max heart rate? And that's when you know your cardiovascular system is is really yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not who does the most training. It's who can recover the fastest because then they do the most training. That's kind of the way I think about it. it exactly. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Well, we do want, I want to touch on a few of the things. So we might have to uh, kind of push through this, but I, I point out the elephant in the room. We're, we're, we're living in a pandemic right now, which is kind of crazy, but to, to just stay healthy and kind of, is there anything that we can do to boost up our immune system right now and, and uh, maybe prevent some virus overtaking our bodies? What well, would you say it, to that, Rick? I think everything that we've spoken to with regard to performance, anything that we've paid attention to, you know, with regard to solid sleep, you know, I think we haven't mentioned some of the, you know, some of the other lifestyle components so you ask what's important to me it's not finding a vaccine or not taking this herbal immune blend right and not to say that you know they may or may not be helpful but we're relying on something else to support us to give us this strong foundation of health we can take this opportunity now to change our habits you know to become a healthier stronger person where you know what, I'm not, you know, I'm approaching this, you know, 59, right? So I'm approaching the, oh, you're over 60. Well, no, right? <laughs> My immune system is not anywhere what, a, you know, the average epidemiological 60 would be. So right. I'm not concerned at all, right? You know, in fact, I think I probably had it coming back from Mexico. It was not pleasant for five days, but four or five days, but it went away. So um Getting sun in the morning, right? Waking up, getting some sun in your eyes, you know, going barefoot on the ground, you know, to, to just to get grounded to the earth. There's a thing about grounding to getting out of EMF fields, um, you know, shutting off some, you know, the things that we hear all the time. Don't be staring at computers <laughs> before you go to bed, you know, eat, eat three hours before bedtime, um, you know, staying away from lots of sugars and alcohols, all, all these things that are just 
I guess the to basics, me, the right, basics, just, yeah. just the basics is, you know, taking some, you know, taking a walk and be mindless, or if you like meditation or deep breathing, all this stuff, which we know is super good is now even more important than ever. And that's, that's sort of the, the critical factor here. You know, unfortunately you don't hear any of that from, you know, the powers that be. No, because, you know, we don't want, I don't, either it's just the model or we don't want, we'll go down the rabbit hole. We want to give people a fix, right? We, we want to yeah. say a vaccine is going to yeah. fix it. Well, maybe not. Maybe we need to fix ourselves. And, you know, the people, not solely, but the people who are more at risk are the people who are ill and inflamed and have issues. And, you know, I'll sort of throw the, the two, Two components that you don't hear, and it was actually sort of cool. I saw one 23andMe is doing some data searching with regard to people who are genetically susceptible to this cytokine inflammatory storm that seems to happen and causes um, lung issues. And so we started looking at who's more genetically susceptible. Well, that would be really helpful to know. And then we make this blanket assessment of, well, you're over 60 at risk. Well, yeah, because you're older or if you're diseased. But, you know, the real risks are what's your immunity? You know, I don't understand why we're not. I understand. It's just not it's expensive and it's not part of the, the marker. But, you know, we talked about the aging before. There are two key components of the aging immune system. It's especially with viruses. It's your T cell count. And there are. Um, subsets of T cells, which are sort of the, the immune component from our thymus gland that deal with, you know, invaders. And we have these naive T cells, which are sort of what we have when we're younger. We have a ton of them. They haven't sort of been decided what they're going to become, right? <laughs> and they're, they're there mm -hmm. waiting to, Hanging to out. become whatever they need to become. And then we have these senescent cells. It's like, they're done, right? They're cooked, they're damaged. And, you know, sometimes they're even called zombie cells because they're, they're going out and making the other cells in your body um, sick or causing harm to them. You know, they're, they're just bad guys. So when we get older, we have less naive cells. We, we can't mount a new attack. And we have all these senescent cells, just sick people and, you know, in wheelchairs hanging around you know, getting in the way and you can't. Zombies. Right. Zombies basically. Getting so in the way. We, we can, you can assess those. I mean, there's a, you know, so you can actually look at whatever your age is and see what your naive senescent cells are. And that's going to give you a strong indication of what your core immunity is. Now that would be really good to know. Um, you know, if, and I've seen people, you know, who are younger, who have really poor naive senescent cell ratios, like not like a 70 year old, but they're 35 and it's like they're 20 years behind. So they're immune aging and it's that immune aging, which kills people, not from the virus. Yeah. But from pneumonia, I mean, so if heart disease and cancer doesn't get you, our number one cause of death is infection. And that infection occurs as we're older because of just what I shared you. So knowing that is really, really critical. And we should be, if I were in charge, <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, if, if I could scale that up, because I would say, all right, if your immune system's strong, get out in the world, <laughs> get, right, right. get, get infected, develop immunity. And if your immune system is weak, do what you need to do to get healthy. And, you know, here's, here's what we need to do. We need to do this and change your life. And we need to give you thymus peptides. Like there's, 
there are certain little protein peptides. One's called thymosin alpha-1, TA-1, which is really potent thymus stimulant. And that can sort of re-trigger some of that um, immune um, support. There are lots of pharmaceutical companies now looking into removing senescent cells, you know, certain take medication cocktails to, to remove this burden of senescent cells. So, and there's a number of other things one could do that, that don't. So that would be a huge benefit to the population. We wouldn't have to shut down our whole world. We could just be supporting the people who are at greatest risk. So, so Rick Cohen, 2024, is that what yeah, I'm, there yeah, I go. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to, to that, to that point of, of, um, exploring how to do that more. I mean, you, you're actually creating something that allows our listeners to do that. And before we get into that, I, I've always been a big fan of, of, for my athletes, creating a performance team around the athlete. And that includes coach, doctor, uh, sports ecologist, uh, team manager, or you, you name it. I mean, just a lot of people, resources, things to help enhance and develop performance. And one thing that you started doing that I, that I realized is you've created this members club and I don't, it's not a, you know, maybe a soft sell for it or whatever, but I think it's actually unique and interesting. And it actually, it's a vehicle to help our listeners uh, explore more about what all you've talked about today from the immunity aspect to the performance aspect to the health and wellness. So could you tell us a little bit more about like just the kind of two minute elevator pitch of yeah, members yeah. club? Sure. Sure. Um, well, here, here's my, actually I asked my wife earlier. It's like, okay, why do you need to, <laughs> why do you need the members club is to make your life easier, your health and performance stronger, all, all while saving you hundreds of dollars. All right. So that's my elevator pitch. But, there he is. Yeah, there you go. Done. <laughs> Some details. Right. Yeah. Some details there. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, as you can hear, like, you know, as I sure shared, and it's my passion is just a whole variety of different topics and really enjoy educating and working with people that want to learn. You know, it's one of my greatest frustration when I was a practicing physician. It was like, I always felt as sort of a functional alternative or non-Western, although Western trained, but um, I was like the doc of last resort. Now that's changed over the past 10 to 15 years for sure. But, you know, people just sometimes don't want to change. And it's like, for me, that was really frustrating. I, so where I've been working with is, you know, sort of pure clean performance and beetroot and beetroot juice. And just an aside, there's studies on, you know, if we're talking, forgot to add that on beetroot juice and um, nitric oxide and immunity. And there's a study currently going on in China with um, Viagra and its effect on COVID. And there's studies on nitric oxide gas actually inhaling and supporting the lungs. They had great results with SARS um, 10 years ago. So that was sort of beetroot just does fit into <laughs> your, your, your immunity protocol in, in a deeper way than performance. So just... just yeah, just sharing beetroots. I, I really want to be able to share in a much bigger way for people, you know, to to cut through so much clutter, you know, whether it's a marketing hype of a product that is just so wonderfully marketed and, you know, you do a, I'll call it a supplement sleuth of the label and, and you know, this $59 product for 14 servings cost them $5 to make and it's, you know, it looks great, but you know, you look at the label and it's like, eh, 
right? Or, or it's, you know, this, this new podcast and this new diet and this new information. So trying to simplify that for people, like we, you know, what we did today, what's going to be most practical for you? You know, what one step can you make? So that's, that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll grow and expand that as we go. But, you know, the most practical thing initially is using sort of the power of a club and my access as a physician to discounts and products and lab testing and, you know, negotiating pricing with Mind Valley, you know, for online training or certain companies that are really like that are offering cool products such as the brain gauge, right. Or a macro right. recovery de device. And so I can go to them and say, Hey, look, we're going to have this membership. I'd really like to offer the members, whatever discount you could give them, we'll send you people. And, you know, unlike a podcaster per se, who might have an affiliate link, you know, who's splitting and getting profit from that. And certainly it's a commercial and they need to sponsor their, their program. You know, I don't want to do that. The membership is where you know, the membership costs where we're making our money. And our goal is just to provide as much benefit to you, like a thrive market online, you know, uh, membership for a year yeah. and be part yeah. of it. So that, that, that's the idea and the philosophy. I like that. Yeah. yeah and so how how do so if our audience members are are curious about this, I mean, how would they find out more? Yeah. So right now, just email me, Rick at Pure Clean Performance. Um, today we're recording this on April 9th, and um, we will be doing a launch, sort of a founders launch, um, next week for about ten days. So if if you can, if you're listening to this uh, during that time, great. Um, I can send you all the information, but you know. If you're listening to this in May or June and, and you're just getting around to it, you know, just email me anyway and, you know, we'll be much more functional by then, but I'll still be happy to sort of honor some of the, the founders, members, special um, cool. offers. Yeah. Cool. So it's just, it's rick at purecleanperformance.com? Rick at purecleanperformance.com. Correct. Got it. Okay. Well, good. No, that's, that's great. Um, and for anybody who, you know, th this podcast is, you know, their, their trigger has been tripped by a lot of this stuff. Send Rick an email. He loves to geek out about a lot of this stuff and the members club might be of interest to you. So, um, Rick, I, you know, this is awesome. We're kind of going a little bit over the time, but I, I do, I've got three questions that I want to ask you some, some takeaways for our listeners to apply to their training and nutrition and health and wellness program. So, uh, let's knock those out and then we'll, sure. uh, we'll cap this thing off. Absolutely. All right. So first question, uh, if you are a performance driven athlete and you had only uh, and you had a budget for only one supplement, what would you go with? So in other words, is there a holy grail of sorts? Can you, can you just give me one? Yeah, no. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it, I'd say it, it depends, right? You know, there, there is no magic sure. solution. It, you know, sure. it depends on what's your age, you know, what's your state of health, you know, if you're, um, you know, so is it an amino acid for recovery is going to be more important? Is it, a beet nitrate that's going to be more important for you. So, or is it foundational um, nutrition is going to be more important for you? So, yeah. So, I, I guess my my message would be: don't fall for there's one one magic fix for you because um, you really yep. need to figure out what your needs are, and then just prioritize what's most important. And I would say most important is 
a lot of the things we talked about today is taking care of your health in a more comprehensive way and, you know, tracking however you might do, you know, before resorting to buying something. Yeah, man, I was just going to say, I didn't plan this. I, I knew that that was kind of the direction you go. But I didn't plan this, but the Holy Grail might be awareness. It's just yeah. like figuring out who you are, what works, what doesn't. Yeah, and That's get, get and, and have support, you know, like someone like Adam, yeah, exactly. you know, someone like us, you know, people who are just a group of people that you can work with that can give you feedback on, hey, this is something that worked for me and then try it. And that's okay, too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, question two, when looking at uh, quality control for ingredients, what should our listeners be looking for in a product? Like, is there a, a stamp? Is there a brand? Is there a, a thing to look for in the supplement industry right now? Or what's going yeah. on? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, you know, having spent a bunch of years in there. Um, you know, so just to give you a, you know, lifting up the, the skirt, you know, you look at products on Amazon and honestly, anyone can go to any contract manufacturer who does have criteria in, you know, in, in cleanliness and, and, you know, lots of paperwork, et cetera, but they can, you can put together anything you want of any quality, put a label on it and get it on Amazon. There's no, there's no one saying that that's a good product or, or, a bad product. So um, I think be aware of that. I, I would also say, look at what's actually on the label. You know, it, it takes some experience, but certainly there are ingredients that are very inexpensive versus ingredients that are perhaps maybe trademarks. So typically if a company has a trademark ingredient, there's some clinical research at least behind that particular ingredient. So that, that's useful. I would say looking at a label, if a company cares enough to put non-GMO or organic or Whole30 or, you know, putting some some markers while it may be a marketing ploy, at least they're conscious enough and care enough to, yeah. to, to put organic. And we can debate whether organic on th some things are better or not. But you know what? If they're putting organic and they're searching for it, at least it's a step up um, than someone who doesn't care at all. It's like... We use in our amino acid a natural sweetener, organic berry flavor, as opposed to a cheap, you know, aspartame, you know, sucralose sweetened formula that you might get in a bodybuilding type amino acid formula. So they're just not, they're gone for the low end um, as opposed to, so fortunately you're going to pay a little more for that, but you know, like anything, do you like a fine wine? Do you like a, you know, a cheap ripple? So, right. And I think yep. the, the third thing, would be it's typically you're safer on professional brands. Um, so one of the things in the club is, well, you'll have access to this um, well of eight platform of professional brands that are actually vetted by this professional dispensary. And they, you know, they go through all the criteria and they won't sell anything. They're not perfect. <laughs> I, I found a couple issues, but you know, they're, they're really good for the most part, but they mm -hmm. won't sell anything of, you know, of lesser quality. And typically the brands that are selling to health practitioners are obviously been around longer. They're not just slapping labels on something to take advantage of a marketing sale or to put it on Amazon. So they're, they're more established companies. So for the most part, you're going to do better with those. Gotcha. So do your homework, uh, go, go with some legitimacies people have been around with for a while and some intentionality too, if they're, if they're sourcing their products in a specific way. I like that. Yeah. And I'd say wait, one more <laughs> thing just on beet juice. 
If you don't yeah. want to order ours, ask. I I challenge you just order product and ask ask. Try and contact the company and get a COA certificate of analysis and see if they even know what their nitrate levels are. Ninety five percent won't, uh, and or you you see if you can even get one. So that that's a really really important thing. Well, uh, yeah, and we keep on coming back to to beetroot because it's it's. I mean, it, I I love the product, but one thing I didn't tell you, Rick. Um, I've been using or have athletes been using your product since I think 2014 because I I was working full time CTS. Who knows? This might have been before that. Anyway, uh, my project was to research kind of the, the best dietary nitrate out out there, the best beetroot product out there that had quantifiable dietary nitrate that is sourced, and you were the only one that I could find at the time. And we, I then, um, we started using on, on professional athletes and away we go. And then we kind of circled back around a couple of years ago when, yeah, when right. I moved here to Washington and, and we had that first conversation. So, um, f- for what it's worth, it, uh, you know, it, there's not too many people doing what you do out there. So it's, just want to mention it's, that. It's, it's, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. it. It's just challenging and it's sort of like you either have to care enough and, the, and then the double-edged sword is if you get too big. And there's some big companies out there. It's hard to source, so it's right. not you know right. this is a natural product that has some variability and difficulty. And the large company out there, without you know, does a does a decent job at it, but they just make sell too much to be able to, and they require a marketing budget and a margins to you know just to offer the same same product. It just can't be done at that level. Gotcha. Okay, last question. So if we can be judgy for just one minute, <laughs> uh, what is the number one thing that you see most athletes doing wrong in their nutrition game and how can they correct it? Not knowing who they, you know, sort of a repeat, just not knowing who they are, not knowing what their uh, partic- particular awareness. needs are and, yep. you know, just falling. Oh, okay, I'm going to do ketones, right? And, you know, <laughs> like think about it. Now we're doing ketones and, and five years ago, we're doing carbohydrates and like, you know, it's just this pack of people going from one thing to another. And, you know, everything has a place in nutrition. And, you know, as we discussed before is the, the number one thing is get rid of the crap. <laughs> that would be because you, you just, you can't go wrong there. And then figuring out what your particular needs are and, and how those can change. You know, maybe during high training season or racing season, you might need more carbohydrates, but you know, winter or when you're trying to build up, you need more protein and you can get by with less carbohydrates. So, or if you're doing longer slow, then that's okay. But if you're doing fast, you know, you require that additional fuel and, you know, while you can get by and not be hungry on fats, the carbs are the twigs in the fireplace and they'll they'll create a higher energy and you, you just can't miss that. And you're leaving something out. So it's yeah. understanding where you are and what your needs are. I like that. Well, let's let's wrap it right there because I think that's a perfect, uh, perfect place to end. So Rick Cohen, thank you so much for joining us on the Train Right podcast today. It's It's been awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for everyone um, for your time. And I'm happy to share. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the TrainRight Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainright.com forward slash podcast, where you can find social links, bonus content, and more about CTS. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show. 
and leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.